I come to you from a futon couch somewhere deep in Los Angeles. For those of you who listened to episode 48 with Dr. Chris Ryan, you'll know that I am down here in LA for the summer pitching a show, which I was somewhat leery to talk about on this podcast because pitching a show is such a slow process and it might not happen. And I hate talking about things that don't actually come to fruition. But I feel like too often we only see each other's finished products. And I want to let you know about my process. And the reality of that process looks like crashing at friends' houses for the summer, trying to set up meetings with network executives and uh, getting them to listen to my ideas. So if the showrunner at Vice or National Geographic or any other network that would be a good fit for my show is listening, please contact me at my website, kyle.surf. Seriously, if uh, if any of you want to get in touch with me, go to my website, kyle.surf, for any reason. I try and respond to all of my emails. I'll give you a, a brief synopsis of what it is that I'm pitching. It's a show called Spotlight Blue, and it's about people who have a unique relationship with water. And in each episode, we use water as the entry point to explore a larger story that I'm curious about. Uh, as many of you know who listen to this podcast regularly, I'm fascinated by altered states of, states of consciousness, our oceans, amazing physical feats, and water is this cohesive element that can run through each story that we tell. All right, that's enough about me. Let's get to the guest. My guest today is a good friend of mine. Hank Gaskell. He is a pro surfer from Maui. He has uh, competed in the Triple Crown for the last 15 years. He got a 10 against Kelly Slater at Pipeline. Not too many people can say that. And he won the Sunset XL Pro. He's a fellow Patagonia ambassador, and we recorded this episode out on the North Shore of Oahu, where we were spending some time together on a photo trip. Hank's, Hank's the kind of guy who is he's just a positive influence on your life. You know, he, every morning we would wake up, we would do the Wim Hof breathing. Uh, we would go spear fishing together. He is a simple man. He likes keeping bees, getting barreled and shooting fish in the face with his spear gun. And if more people in the world were like Hank Gaskell, the world would be a better place. So without further ado, please welcome my good buddy, Hank Gaskell. Kyle Thierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. It's yeah. kind of it's kind it's, of an amazing little crew out of Maui that that uh, has come up. I mean, just in the last few years, the amount of phenomenal surfers and phenomenal film projects also that have come out of Maui has been really impressive. Yeah, I might have a skewed perspective, but you saying that confirms it a little bit in my mind that I think uh, we have a really special group um, of talented, great humans and. Uh, 
Yeah, Who are I'm your just... best friends growing up? Um, Ola, Elegam, Deja, Connell. Um, they're my like surf buddies. And then Ola's little brother, Makana. And um, then there's older guys around Hana, Kelly Everett. Um, and also, um, Ola's older brother, Benel, used to compete with us. And I remember travel him. And, I saw a video section with him yeah. a long time ago. Um, yeah. But Ola, Ola and Benel are they're fantastic surfers, huh? Yeah, super talented. They're like natural gymnasts. They're <laughs> both both their parents are just like incredible athletes. And um, did they all grow up on Hana as well? Uh, yep. Yeah, we grew up actually two doors down from each other. So I was kind of their adopted brother. Um, I'd go to their house every day after school, and we'd all go to the beach together and just uh, yeah get. Play with what sticks a, and rocks and what, live, live the Hana life. And <laughs> sticks and rocks. Yeah, some people have uh, TV and Game Boy. You guys had uh, quite a wild outdoor experience growing up, I'm sure. Yeah, I think we were pretty lucky. We had TV and Game Boy too, but Hana is just such a rich environment for um, as far as just adventures. Uh, for a kid, it was like the whole, the world was our playground and our backyard was this amazing pool and like the beach is like a mile away where we'd surf we'd actually surf below our house too it was the horrible wave right on the rocks and <laughs> yeah. but we we lo- we thrived on it and we'd go cliff jumping and uh just pff. it's so cool man yeah. the the amount um of how much it, it plays a big factor in what the land looks like when you're looking in to the beach in terms of your enjoyment of surfing and at least for me when i'm out surfing a place like huntington and i'm looking yeah. at in at a big parking lot and a bunch of buildings it's more difficult for me to enjoy the session than it is to yeah. I, I haven't surfed in hana but i can imagine looking in at that view <laughs> is probably so fucking magical yeah some of the, some of the places we have are really special i mean it's yeah it's super refreshing to look in and see those huge valleys and um I mean, no houses. I'm living in California now, and and I'm thinking about it, and it's just, (laughs) it's not as special to have so many people around all the time. And um, Was there anything, now that you're living in San Diego, was there anything unexpected about living there that that you just didn't predict? um, What was the biggest biggest surprise? Biggest surprise moving to California? uh probably how easy the transition was i mean i i, I like it there we have we have a really nice place um good roommates where do you live I've in got, no we live in la jolla cool yeah my girlfriend malia she's going to school in san marcos um studying to be a physical therapist and yeah when i'm not on the road i'm there um with her and our dog and there's enough surf enough diving and um I've got a nice garden in our yard and um and we've also got really good friends around so it's it's made it really easy. That make that and makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy my time there. I'm really happy she decided to go to school somewhere on the coast and right. <laughs> she she loves it too. She what does she go to school for? Physical therapy. Physical therapy. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And You're like, "Ah, babe, my shoulder yeah, hurts." Yeah. <laughs> but I always want the massage and she just gives me the exercises. <laughs> Love you, yeah, yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> like, I need a massage. She's like, no, here are these four workouts yeah. you can do by yourself. Damn it. Yeah, no, she's been amazing, though, with um, helping me with injuries over the past. Um, Have you had to deal with a bunch of injuries in the past? Um, 
Yeah, I've had a lingering shoulder injury from doing too much target practice, bow hunting, and it kind of came on really slowly and I didn't really pay attention to it. And then it got worse and worse. And then uh, I got on a rehab program and it's definitely on the upswing now and I can surf without much pain at all. And um, I haven't tried bow hunting again yet. I might lessen the draw on my bow. And right. Might make it a little more um, shoulders are such a calm such a shoulders is such a complex part of the body there's so many moving parts and when you when you screw with it and you don't do that diligent rehab right after it is it's one of those injuries that lingers yeah it can especially for surfers we paddle so much that's a heavy one what have been the exercises that you um that you found to be most beneficial with your shoulder um I was doing a lot of band exercises and, um, I don't know how to describe them, but, um, it's mainly just like, a, like opening your rotator cuff and yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that out to the side and, um, yeah. And just being like learning how to hold it in proper posture and, and not doing things that irritate it. Um, Dude, my girlfriend is a um, was a gymnast growing up, so she mm-hmm. she has great and she's a dancer, so she has incredible posture, and she always is telling me, Kyle, when you're sitting down, pretend like you have a string attached yep. to the top of your head. <laughs> yep. I hear that one, and a lot. because as a surfer, it's so normal for us to be hunched over, like yeah, golem under a bridge. It's scary. You see these old surfers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but it yeah, seems like you've, we, you've worked on that. I mean, in the little bit that, that we've been hanging out together, you seem to have um, a diligent, um, diligent habits that behoove you on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty concerned with uh, the well-being of my body and um, having the longevity. I want to be able to surf like Jerry when I'm <laughs> almost 70 years old. And I see Jerry, I was fortunate enough to do a trip uh, to Uluwatu. For a yoga retreat with Jerry about you know, almost a year ago now. Damn, how cool but, is that? Uh, it was amazing. We were doing yoga like three, four hours a day sometimes. And um, yeah, it was a good experience. Zen Master it Yoga. <laughs> it was only a week long, but... Um, what was that like? It was intense. Uh, what was the, the just, zone that you're standing in? We were so spoiled. I've never been so spoiled with... Uh, the place we're staying was right on the cliffs at Uluwatu. It's called Uluwatu Surf Villa. It's just yep. this amazing place. I don't really stay in fancy places like that often. So it was fun to live luxuriously. And we'd wake up in the morning, go for a surf, come in, do yoga. They'd feed us amazing food. Jerry would um, give you some hints to the key of life and philosophy just like he, yeah. he he reminds me of the type of i don't know him very well but he reminds me of the type of person who will say something very simply but it'll be this yeah prof- it resonates profound yeah. <laughs> this profound sentence that gets lodged into your brain and then two weeks later you're like damn that's so true what he said <laughs> yeah he's he's definitely a wise wise um Legend. <laughs> well, he's also one thing that I, I I would love to have him on the podcast because one thing that he's mm-hmm. he was able to do um, is leave behind a life where he was seen as this this hero on the North Shore. And most mm-hmm. people who who have that kind of reputation in a place, um, they feed off of that, right? And they love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jerry, you're the man! Right on, yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's get a photo. And for him to 
to kind of pull away, he's, pull he's away hum- from he's that. So humble and- to pull away from that and say, no, I want to start snowboarding yeah. and go out into the mountains. Um, it says a lot about a person. Yeah. Um, he has absolutely no ego and just will look you in the eye, shake your hand and talk to anyone. And, um, and he also, he's, he's like kind of soft-spoken, but he can also go on and on. Like during the yoga classes, he would talk and talk and we would just try to absorb all his knowledge. And he's, yeah, he's very well-spoken. So he'd be, he'd be great to have on the podcast. I know. I, so he was just <laughs> teaching at, um, at the Wanderlust festival here. And I went to one of his yoga classes with Cole Christensen mm-hmm. and it was probably a hundred <laughs> gorgeous 23 year old girls in this yoga class and they were all so infatuated with him they're like can we please get a photo with you afterwards and it was a fantastic yoga class he really did a good job but it was hilarious to see afterwards he's like hey so if you want to come talk to me please do it outside because last yoga class um it got a little crazy in here and they couldn't start the next class so if you want yeah. to come talk to me please go outside <laughs> and we went outside and just this this line of gorgeous girls that, yeah. like, that any guy would be like so stoked to talk to and he's just like oh yes thank you thanks for coming to the class yeah he's got that aura about him like um even if you have no idea who he is as a surfer and how legendary he is um He's just got that relaxed vibe and that that genuine smile, and that's kind of who I want to be at age 68 and um, doing yoga and pulling that string through the top of your head, keeping your alignment I right, know, and your I, shoulders back. And I know um, I'm fixing my posture as we're talking <laughs> yeah, about this right now. <laughs> uh, and you had a chance um, to go up to uh, his snowboard contest that he throws every year too, right? Yeah, I did it two years ago, and. Um, had a great time. I I entered the pro surfer division. So what is the what is this snowboard contest that that they throw every year? Yeah, um, it's called the Big Wave Challenge. And so I had envisioned it just being these slopes, and you're doing like carving down, and like I get there, and it's these crazy half pipes and big ramps, and each each uh, section is kind of um, designed to like be be similar to a, a surf break right. around the world and all jerry's favorite breaks so there's like what? pipe uluatu rocky point um i can't I, uh, jeffrey's bay i think was one of them and and so a pipe would be like a big half pipe bowl and um rocky point would be a playful like you do grinds and stuff down it and and me i'm I'm thinking like pro surfers, they're not going to be good, good snowboarders. And uh, like, I, I should enter it. And nobody told me otherwise <laughs> or nobody knew how bad I was. So I get on these crazy hard packed half pipe, uh, track and I slid down on my butt most of the way. And I was supposed to have two runs. I just did one. I'm like, oh, I want to embarrass myself further. So save face. So we're going to go back this year and I'm, I'm not going to enter, but I'm going to hang out and I know I get gonna... some good snow. I've been seeing all this snow on Instagram and, uh, haven't been in it yet this year. So I'm excited. What a cool score. concept. Yeah. It's, it's a fun event. It's really fun to watch. There's so many talented guys. Um, a lot of people show up and uh, the pro snowboarder division, the pro surfer division is amazing. <laughs> the guys are ripping. Who are some of the best guys? Um, Cole was really good. Cole Christensen. Joe Curran. Uh, Cody Kerbox won it the year I was there. Um, and yeah, but then the pro snowboarders are just 
insane to watch. Snowboarding's uh, one of those sports that I'll do. You know, I'll, I'll go up to Tahoe maybe three or four times a year, and it's one where I can have fun every time. Whereas if I lived in the mountains and I went surfing three or four times a year, there's no way that I would be standing up having a good time. I think for, you would. for a session back. <laughs> well, no, but if I if I didn't if I didn't know how to surf, right? It's one of those skill yeah. sets that you can you can easily get to the level of having a good time on a snowboard. Whereas yeah. surfing, it tends to be frustrating for the first for the first year, right? But then yeah. there's that next level of snowboarding where you that it that is the pro snowboarder game, and mm. the shit that those guys do is mind blowing. Yep. That um. God, that movie, uh, that's it, that's all, um, The Art of Flight. Damn, have you seen those ones with Travis Rice? I, I saw one really good. It might have been Art of Flight pretty recently. Um, yeah, I can't remember the names of them, but I, I love watching that stuff. It's definitely inspiring. Yeah. Are um, there just, a- I love, I am such a fan of sport and just anything where someone's pushing their body or their mind or whatever it is right, to the right, right. absolute limit and they're devoting their life to something and um, the product is just baffling right. to, to me. It, seem, it seems like growing up on Maui too because the, the waves aren't good all the time, you do get a lot of young kids who have crossover sports. Like a lot of kids who are... Mm-hmm. Um, Kai Lenny, for example, right? He grew up on Maui. Yep. Phenomenal surfer, also kite surfer. And it seems like there's a lot of that where you grew up. Would you say that's true? Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean... You're like, I'm from there. No one's talented. I, no one's... <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of other board sports, but I, I'm really into free diving. Um, and yeah, now hunting, I'm really psyched on that yeah uh, when did you get into free diving uh spirit, spirit fishing. yeah i started when i was really young i got heavily into it probably around 14 15 and um now i have probably more fun diving than surfing most days <laughs> like i look forward to well i mean if it's good waves and only your friends out that's a pretty hard one to beat yeah and that happens now and then that's incredible but, what do you like um, about diving uh, just that it's quiet and it's, it feels like meditation for me. It's the only, I'm not real big on meditation. It's, it's appealing to me. I know it's really good for you. And, um, yeah, like, I, I, want, yeah, like, I want to like it. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Maybe I need some guidance or something. Right. Maybe I'll talk to Jerry, but, um, Zen for, me, <laughs> for me, it's diving. I, I completely relax and everything's quiet and I'm just fully engaged in the moment. And, and um, I can just sit underwater, lay, lay on the bottom and watch the fish swim up to me and just trip out on that all day. And just, I don't know. It's beautiful to me. <laughs> it is beautiful. Yeah. It's very special. Um, and I would bet that there's, there's this type of calm within the storm that is, um, needed to spearfish, um, yeah. where you are fighting this, you're, you're fighting biology, right? You're fighting your, your physiology, trying yeah. to, trying to stay down and, and to get to get your mind into that relaxed space yeah. um, is a it's a really useful tool, really, yeah. because ultimately you're not meditating so that you can be in a comfy living room by yourself in a perfect setting. You're meditating mm-hmm. so that when you get into that stressful situation, you don't freak out, yeah. right? You, and 
those skills can be applied um, throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought of something cool. Uh, <laughs> diving is just, it's a really good balance for me. Um, uh, but like between pushing yourself to the limit as well as finding ultimate relaxation, it's like you kind of need that ultimate relaxation to find your limits in diving. And I don't know, something about that is just really cool to me. <laughs> yeah. What do you, um, what have been some memorable dives? Um, what's, what's it like in Hana, man? Cause I've, I've only driven <laughs> through there once and it was, uh, felt a little bit like taking a tour through Pandora from Avatar <laughs> and then I was back on a plane and gone. So I didn't feel like I got enough time there, but yeah. I sensed the, um, the magic of it. The yeah. rain, what was, is, are they called the rainbow trees? The ones Rainbow that, eucalyptus, yeah. What the <laughs> hell are those things? Yeah, there, cool. It's a tree that has this this variety of colors dripping down from it. So it yeah, looks it like... It is a, what it sounds like. It's exactly... Rainbow eucalyptus. It, 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 yes. Gigantic trees. Yes. No psychedelics needed. No. That's, <laughs> what, so what's it like diving in Hana? I'm sure the colors are mind-blowing. It's awful. There's hardly any fish. It's really brown. Um Really? <laughs> Shh, shut up. No, I'm exposing all my spots. Damn I'm going to get in trouble if anybody hears this. Um, it's, it's no, I don't, want, I don't want you We've to. been really blessed. Um, everywhere in Hawaii has got great, yeah. great diving. Um, and Hana, there's not a lot of people. So it's, um, yeah, it's a really rich environment underwater there. And um, yeah, now living in California, I've been going in La Jolla and People tell me how good it is there. I'm like, a little bit of a reality I don't check. Oh, like, uh, there's so many regulations. Yeah, like, so visibility was great today. You could actually it, see the fish. Oh, it was so depressing. The first day of lobster season, there was like 50 boats out there and just buoys on top of each other everywhere. And outside of La Jolla. Yeah. And there's like millions of lobsters, but they're all just barely undersized. So I, <laughs> I went and got a lobster license. Like, all right. Yeah. Cool go get some bugs and yeah couldn't find any of size have you ever gone out to the channel islands but to uh do lobster I, I haven't yet i need to go explore more but i've just so far i've only short of in la jolla so uh i haven't i, I guess, haven't uh done lobster diving yet but my brother yeah. went out for thanksgiving last year and he said it was the best thanksgiving yeah yeah, yeah, I think the pelagics are good when they come through town. It's it's really good. So I'm looking forward to getting out on a boat and doing that whole thing. And do you have any interest in going out to Cortez? Oh yeah, I want to I want to dive everywhere. It's it's same like surfing. Now, when I travel for surfing, I'm like, oh, can I dive there? Like, can I bring my dive gear? And right. Um, if it definitely weighs the board bag down a little bit, but yeah, it's worth it. It's it's the two worst possible hobbies to travel with and now i'm into bow hunting so i'm like oh i want to want to travel with that too um, <laughs> i was packing for my trip I see, yeah i saw I, your bags I had, very, everything. I had a very ironic moment uh mm -hmm. going to the airport on this trip because i i went on my first uh bow hunting trip which i'm sure people are sick of hearing about <laughs> ranting and ranting about it i brought all that gear and then i brought all my dive gear because i knew i'd be mi meeting up with you and then i brought all my yeah. surf gear and i was packing all my stuff wearing a live simply t-shirt <laughs> Like, oh, the irony. Oh, the irony is thick it's, in this one. Yeah. Sometimes you just need your toys. Um, 
whatever it is to keep you out there, man, because the yeah. waves aren't always good. And for someone who's been surfing as long as you have, yeah. it can be difficult to get your rocks off on a high performance shortboard yeah. on a two foot wave. Yeah. Like there's like there is today, you know, it's just, there are more, um, enjoyable activities. Yeah. Those three hobbies too are the perfect trifecta too. When the surf's good, of course you're out there. When it's flat, you go diving. If it's murky, like it is today, yeah. um, we were planning on going diving the last two days and it's, it's been really wet here on the North shore and, um, we haven't been able to go, but, um, then you can go up in the mountains and try to get some meat and, um, put food on the table. Um, so you've yeah. been hunting, uh, so you hunt in on Maui mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I got into it only, only about a year ago, a little over a year now. And, um, yeah. What was gonna, that like? What, what got you into it? Um, I've been wanting to for a long time. Cause I know it's, it's just like diving up on the mountains and you're getting bigger fish. That's what I said. And, um, I just, I like that. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> Yeah, you, you go get lost in the mountains and stalk these animals and um, a lot of parallels to diving. And also just uh, the way the whole food industry is and you don't know what you're getting. And um, when you can get your own food, I, 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 that's another thing I love about diving, is of course, putting food on the table and um, also foraging whatever or growing my own food that's like a big passion of mine I'll, yeah it seems like it's a, a big part of your yeah, life yeah eat, just eating the right stuff and um, yeah trying to live sustainably even though we travel around the world and bring all our gear and uh, it's it's well it's a good way to start conversations with yeah, people right yeah, because it's, it's rare that you'll see someone who's having zero negative impact on the yeah. world it's just unrealistic yeah and um yeah, and we are all hypocrites yeah. in, in a certain way, but that doesn't mean that we need to um, be meek and not talk about awesome shit that makes mm -hmm. us come alive. Yeah, of course. Right, and, and I do think that there is a duality in everything that we do um, yeah. in terms of that, for example, I enjoy making um, sh short documentaries on environmental issues, social issues, because I do think they're, it's important to get this stuff out there. Mm -hmm. I also love traveling. I also yeah. love meeting people and, and embedding in subcultures that I would never have an opportunity to, mm -hmm. to get into. And that is, that's selfish for me. Right. And, and same yeah. with, with, hun with hunting, right. There is, there's a duality in that. I do understand that. I, I think hunting is really important in terms of conservation yeah. and, and it does have an overall benefit to ecosystems, but totally. I also identify and look up to some hunters and and guaranteed there's an element of of me wanting to be a little bit like them that is playing into my decisions to get mm -hmm. into hunting yeah i mean yeah like whatever damage you're doing is definitely right. counterbalanced by the people you're reaching and like spreading these ideas and um I also get turned. I also get turned off by a lot of people who only claim altruism. Who only yeah. like you know. I just really believe yeah, yeah, in yeah. creating a better world. And I'm you know there was because <laughs> I was in that world that, with the youth activists world. And I do think that a lot of young activists who who get recognition for their work feel like they need to 
to claim pure altruism. Um, it's, you know, it's just my my destiny <laughs> and it's my purpose and I just want to make yeah. the world a better place. And yeah, Whatever that is all that is all I mean, true, right? But but the problem is that a lot of people call bullshit on it and I've I've found that people who are who are just straight up honest about who they are tend to get the best results. Yeah, I I would have to agree and that's how I try to live my life with the balance of um living sustainably and um and just having a good time. Yeah, having a great time. <laughs> you seem like you do have a good time. Yeah, life is good. We're we're all blessed to be here and um no sense being cynical and uh not taking advantage of our opportunities and um right. Yeah. And if someone sees a photo of you um, you know, raising bees, right? Mm-hmm then maybe they could get inspired and they could get into raising bees. And I do think that yeah. there is some kind there is an element of obligation. If you are inspired about something yeah. to talk about it, because there's so much pessimism in the world and negative shit always yeah. that, um, and that is what I want to talk to you about because I, I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated with beekeeping <laughs> and you told me that you got some bees in Hana. Yeah. So what's the deal with that? That's my fourth passion, I guess. Um, yeah, I love my bees. I, I've been into that. I've been into apiculture for about probably five years now, I'd say. Um, and I have... What's it called? Apiculture. Apiculture. Yeah. And that's beekeeping. Yep. And I think I have six hives. Uh, I have... Th- I think I have four at my house and then two over at um, Ola Elegram and Monica's uh, farm. So... Um, yeah, bees are pollinating their fruit and making lots of honey, and I actually get to go home in about uh, ten days and go harvest. So I'm really excited for that. Bring me into the process of um, keeping bees. If if I let's say Hank, I want to, I want to make yeah. this happen. How do I do it? Um, you're probably best off just going out and buying a hive, buying the box, buying all the gear. I got into it um through a neighbor of mine and we got i've only gotten wild hives and uh, you know i go for that if you if you get into it, it's a great experience if you can find a wild hive or just uh, <laughs> it's, I, it's a great experience oh man but. i've had some crazy ones it's it's so fun though um i want i try not to take them out of the wild unless it's a really easy one which is rare they they find their home and they don't want to leave and so I've I've dealt with a lot that are stuck in walls and up in the ceilings and um, yeah and like rock walls and like people's yards that just don't want bees around their give way. An their example, kids are give an example. Give an example of one. Oh, man, let's see. Oh, the first one was in a stump, and it was a huge hive. Went down into the roots and like underground and. It was really difficult taking this old rotting stump apart and we just botched it and it, like did such a bad job. It was, I was doing it with my neighbor. He's, he's, a, he's been a beekeeper for like, I don't know, 20, 40 yeah. years or something. He's yeah. an old dude, legend. And um, What made it, it a was, bad job? Uh, just because when you take a hive out of the wild, you want the like big, nice chunks of comb and there wasn't really any. They're they're all small, like like down in the roots, the this rotting tree, and um, so we, I've seen we did the best we could for what we had. Like some are just really difficult to get at and access, and um, 
that one didn't work. The second one we did, though, my buddy Dej and I, we found it was like right off my property. Um, my mom actually found this hive and she's the one that got me into it originally. She bugged me for like years saying, oh, we need to get bees. Like bees are so cool. Watch this documentary. Like they're awesome. Like, what no, documentary? I got too many projects. I don't need a new. Um, Do you remember the documentary? Um, it was like Queen of the Sun. I, I've watched so many now. I, um, I okay. can't remember. But but anyway, the, the second hive we got, it was in an old styrofoam cooler. And it was just perfect and easy. Um, we didn't get a whole lot of honey out of that one, I remember. But this was and a wild hive that had nested. Yeah, and the bees had nested yeah. themselves inside the styrofoam cooler. Yeah. And well, so that probably wouldn't have been a good place for them so it was great we relocated them into my my bee box and um and what does a bee box to, look like uh it's about shoot i don't know the exact dimensions but eh, like two foot cube okay um with a little roof on top and um a little door in the bottom all in the inside there's like frames where the they build their comb and yeah, then build their colony up. Um, okay, they seem to be pretty happy in the. Okay, and then and then how long does it take to harvest honey? What's uh, that process like? So then you leave you leave them in there, right? And and yeah. sorry, you're, you're gonna have to talk in super simple <laughs> terms for me because I've never done this. Okay, that's all I know. <laughs> uh, but you put them in the in the box. Yeah, they start producing their hive. Yeah, and the only beehives that I've seen are the the big kind of pine cone looking hives. And I've also seen honeycomb. So does the honeycomb, is that what it looks like inside that hive? Yep. All the honeycomb. Yeah. It's so, pretty, how, so how do you open up that hive? Um, how does that work? So how, how do you actually extract the honey? From a wild hive. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or no, from your, from your zone. Because um, do they still build that, that uh, pine, no, pine cone well, shaped hive inside a bee box? Well, they come in lots of different shapes and sizes. Um, okay. But in the box, they just build on the frames. So you can take pull a frame out, and it's got, well, honey or brood or pollen or um, whatnot. When, and what we do, we have two separate boxes. We have a queen. It's called a queen excluder that goes between them. Okay. So the queen doesn't go up in the top box and lay eggs. Okay. So that one, they only fill with honey. And when that's full, you, you just pull it off. Um, take scrape all the honey off and then put it back on and they they make more honey and um easy and when it's a good season um i had one hive for a while that was producing about five gallons every two months but i think that's kind of rare and unreasonable like most yeah that was a really strong hive and um another thing i really botched on this one i uh thought it'd be a good idea to try to split this hive and it went well for the half that I gave away. <laughs> and that one's still still living. Um, it's Ola and Monica's hive now. Okay. And my half died. So if I ever have a colony so all, all the bees, again, all the bees died. Is that what happened? Um, the half did, yeah. If you if you take a bunch of brood and the queen, you um, Brood? Yeah, that's the like the eggs and larvae and stuff. Okay. And um yeah you can split the hive they'll make a new queen and for whatever reason they didn't make a new queen and the hive didn't survive how do they make a new queen 
if you take the queen away, I, I was so, under the impression that there's only one bee that is continuously laying eggs, which is yeah, the queen. Yeah, well, the queen lives about three to five years, and so when, when there's a strong hive, they'll naturally split to make more, more bee colonies, and uh, the old queen will leave with roughly half of the, the worker bees yeah. and just go build a new hive, start all over, and the bees that are left, the workers, they, um, they f- build these queen cells, it's just um the queen lays lays um she she just lays eggs and the workers decide whether whether they're going to be drones which are the male bees or worker bees or another queen and to make a new queen so a drone and a worker bee is different yeah drones a male all they do is breed okay it's really cool um i'll get into that too um uh, where was it? Okay, um, so there's the drones, there's the worker bees. They pick a new queen once the old yeah, queen takes okay. half the hive. So they build the, the cell that the eggs in. They build it out, make it way bigger, and feed it royal jelly, the larva, which is um, like honey, but uh, I'm not sure the exact properties, but it's like richer in some way. And they keep feeding her that, and it makes a queen bee. Okay. So... Um, and do we eat royal jelly as well? Do humans? Yeah, people do. I never have actually. Okay, I haven't got into that, but um, but it's similar to honey. Yeah. Okay. I think so. And that's what they feed her. Yeah, and all the larvae get it up to a certain point, but they keep feeding the queen, and she develops the sex organs. And when she's born, she goes on her maiden flight, flies up to a mile high, and the strongest drones. This is like natural selection. The the big strong guys fly up up to a mile high. They breed with the queen, ten to fifteen drones, and as soon as they breed, they just drop from the sky and die. It's that's their whole purpose in life. It's what? so weird. Um, yeah, I'm glad it's not like that for us. Joining the mile high club and then <laughs> yeah. jumping out of the plane. <laughs> exactly. Wait, so they breed up to a mile high? They don't breed inside yeah. the hive? Nope. No, and that's, and that's then, like the test that only the strongest survive and um can't have any of those weak drones yeah, up there you can't make yeah. it up to the mile high club you're not getting you're not getting any yeah so she's she's fertilized at that point and then she returns to the hive and lays eggs her whole life and that's it can you imagine if that was like it, it was like that for humans it was like all right yeah. the most beautiful woman lives <laughs> on the top of that mountain all of all of yeah. you, one hundred men, race to the top, have to race to the top, and then just die. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like, I my like. hunter buddy Justin Lee would definitely win. He's so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to battle. Scurries across lava yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a fucking cheetah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny! Wow. Um, so they impregnate the the queen, and then she flies down, and then she produces how many eggs from that? Um, from that fertilization uh her whole life of laying um i, I don't know probably close to a million I, i'm not sure exactly but they but they only queens. fertilize once and then she's yeah. constantly laying eggs yeah. for the for uh yep. the rest of her time yeah and does she only breed with one drone no or? like 10 to 15 okay Big old orgy in a, a <laughs> yeah, mile high in the sky. They're like, hey, if we're only doing bizarre. this, if we're only doing this once, we're gonna have a good time doing it. Yeah. <laughs> the more I learn about bees, the more fascinated I become. And right. And and, and not only that, really but cool. th- they're super cool. But they're 
very important also mm-hmm. because they allow plants to that they pollinate they they make it so that do you know much about this about the pollination process um, I, can't, I can't speak enough about it to to yeah. really talk about it but i know that it's important yeah i'm not real big on all the facts but i know it's it's pretty heavy what people are doing with industrial farming and um right that's one of the big shipping issues. or trucking bees across the country and there's colony collapse disorder i think most people know about this but um bee colonies are just i, like I know i know enough about it to be mad about it but i don't really know enough about it to talk about it yeah and i've learned about it <laughs> most, I, most issues right you can be yeah. you can be outraged but you can't really explain yeah, it yeah it's but do tell give me uh, a brief summary of of what you know about colony collapse disorder yeah so there's just all kinds of pressure on these bee colonies and um with uh industrial farming pesticides and then they get mites they get beetles get in there and mess with them and um i just heard this morning actually how is it called foul brood came is back in hawaii and i was here in the 50s or something and so i'm hoping that doesn't get into my so foul brood is a disease yeah yeah some kind of bacteria that gets in the hives and they they start dying off there's nothing you can really do about it you just burn the boxes that get it so wow scary. We're, we're lucky in in maui we don't we don't have the varroa mite but that's a really bad one um we have hive beetle and wax moth so i'm i'm pretty like i've learned a lot about fighting those too <laughs> really what do you do yeah. to fight uh fight some of those uh so my hives have I, ha- I have like a beetle trap in the bottom there's a screen where the the beetles go in the hive they the bees can't hurt them because they have a, sh- a hard outer layer shell and the they lay their eggs once the larvae are born they um they crawl down into the earth well before they're born and um so they they get through the screen okay fall into and I, and there's like oil at the bottom of the the screen there's like a i don't know okay at the bottom of the, the box and the, the squares are just small enough that the bees can't fit through but the beetles fall through and they drown in the oil so wild and oh man that's so cool yeah it's i'm gonna get into bees i can tell but yeah you, you should it's it's a great hobby um if you got time for it and and once you get it set up it's pretty easy you just you pretty much leave the bees and if it's a strong colony they'll kind of take care of themselves like you don't need to do too much work right and that's kind of how i've done it um i don't baby them too much because i want them to be strong and be able to fight off the past so not because i'm not <laughs> you're like, you're, it's like talking about a child like oh, they'll yeah. cry they'll <laughs> cry it out yeah oh <laughs> uh, no um uh, that's funny oh man that's so cool um i can tell that you're really passionate about that yeah i'm excited to get get back to my bees it's been a while i haven't haven't gotten into one of the boxes in almost a year now um i think Millie and i did a harvest last summer so Hopefully there's lots of honey and um, bring some back to California. And I'm gonna hit you up for some. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll try uh, if the if the rain stays away. Last right. last time I was home, I was home about a month ago and it rained the whole time, so yeah. I didn't even didn't even go look at the bees. So. Super cool, man. Well, thanks for sitting down. Thanks mm-hmm. for uh, chatting with me about bees and and all yeah. this. I'm uh, I'm stoked to have you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, where can people find you? Um, Hippie Hannah Hank. Yeah, hit me on Hank uh, on Instagram. Instagram All right. Facebook, Hank Gaskell. And 
Yeah, in La Jolla. I surf a little point a lot. Um, <laughs> say hi. <laughs> right on, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. Hey, before you take off, please take one minute and give my show a rating. If you're listening to it right now, I'm going to show you exactly how to do it. You're going to click the search button. You're going to type in The Kyle Tierman Show. Even if you're already on it right now, you're going to have to type in The Kyle Tierman Show again, and it's going to take you to a new page. You're going to click that page, Kyle Tierman Show, and it's going to take you to a page that says Details, Reviews, and Related. Click Reviews, give it a few stars. It helps other people find the show. All right, I'm going to leave you with a song called Drip from the Getaway Dogs. Uh, I'm looking for music, so if you or anyone you know is a musician and has some groovy tunes that you want played at the end of my podcast, send it on over to me on my website, kyle.surf. I will give you credit, and I will link to your band page in the episode show notes. All right, with that, hope you're having a beautiful day, and I will see you next week.
sink in a bucket or if it'll come like a melody Do you sing every other little moment you remember well I've been looking all around and I've been looking all over this town Yeah, I've been looking all around and I've been looking all over this town A little wet silhouette of a memory Drip dropping, making a blink in a bucket or if it'll come like a melody Do you sing every other little moment you remember well I've been looking all around and I've been looking all over all around and I'm looking all over this town